0: Hi, I'm Celine Dion's lawyer, and I'm coming for that ass. Conde Nasty.
1: Hi, all my Snatch Game ideas got rejected for being obscene, the intellectual property of the Walt Disney Corporation, or both. I'm Hersala the Sea
0: Bitch. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hey girl, how are you? I
1: am living my best life because the, this was a very important week. It was it was Passover, it was Easter, it was four twenty, and it's snatch game. That is that is like five out of six major world religions' holidays all in the same festival. Like I, that's a lot.
0: Truly, the high holidays. Um, you know, as a uh, urban born person, I I have been to Passover so many times, but I am myself Irish Catholic. And between the Holocaust Museum volunteers that I, uh, you know, engaged with and many Jewish friends who I have that have moved to New York, San Francisco, L.A. or New York, I no longer have any Passover to go to. And I've had conversations with Jewish friends who are like, you should really just host a secular Passover yourself. That's frankly what I was doing. Um, And all of my Catholic friends are like, that would be sacrilegious and a violation. And all of my Jewish friends are like, no, you really respect and honor the tradition, which is why you want to do it, which means it's okay for you to have a Gentile's Passover. But I cannot bring myself to do it.
1: Uh, okay, uh, this is the one time I'm going to give a unsupported shout-out to things. Google Rugata. It's the one Tumblr still operating after the porn Pornpocalypse. And it is it is just like a series of stills from Drag Race set to uh, the satyr questions, answers, and procedures. And it is a little piece of genius.
0: I will keep that in mind. <laughs> um I have to say, I just looked up Rugata and it images, and it looks like a bunch of Hungarian amateur bodybuilders, and I'm not mad at that either. So we so all definitely look up, Yeah, definitely look up Rugata. Um, I'm really <sighs> loving this. Look, you're, you're rocking today. I rarely see you in a pageant gown without a corset. Uh-huh. You're tent- make it look like Nina West's moving dress. I, I kind of wonder if that's where she got the idea from. Well,
1: who do you think loaned for the boy dancers to make that work?
0: Oh, look at you. Uh, she is your kind of queen um so she definitely is um i saw her and brooklyn and uh honey davenport and silky ganache at roscoe's on thursday she is definitely your kind of queen i fucking love that bitch it was hard to not get up and ask a question and have it just be nina can i get a hug Uh,
1: (laughs) speaking of hugs is honey davenport okay is she like – like I, I, I've seen her Instagram work. She is clearly turning it out. She has taken the lemons and made uh, lemonade, and I love her for that. But I also just want to know that she's okay because she looked really sad in a way that made me feel extremely sad. So I just yeah. want to know that she's good.
0: It's funny you say that, uh, that girl down the street has been engaging with her a lot over various social media platforms and they are now DMing and very friendly. And that girl came with me to Roscoe's honey seemed great. I think that honestly she has been, I think that this show has set a new standard and pushed like the art form for further, further for drag queens across the board. And she's somebody who was super accomplished, who came in with high expectations and left early, and it was obviously like a very hard breakdown for all of us to watch. And it's been interesting to see the way that she's turned that like that difficulty, and has created great art- artwork out of it by doing a music video corresponding to every week's challenge. Um, she seems like somebody who took a tragedy and made it something phenomenal. She seemed great. She chatted with both me and that girl. She seems. Very good. I think, like, honestly, I think watching that episode, episode three, was kind of traumatic to watch her go through something that was obviously for her super traumatic. She had worked like a decade to get there. And she seems like somebody who really figured out how to make lemonade out of lemons. I, I, I mean, I've talked before about how this is our sports, and I feel like she showed getting up when you are knocked down hard in a way that is really commendable. So even though, like, we know a lot more about the other three queens who were there, I was very excited to see her. And that girl and I did get to chat with her. She she seems great. So I I am happy for her. All of you who are not following her, you should definitely follow her on various social media platforms. She is putting out a music video every week and they are lit, frankly. Um, So, yeah, she seemed good.
1: I'm that I find that soothing. Thank you for that.
0: I honestly find it super inspiring because I think a lot of girls who get released early are just bitter and talk shit about reality TV production and stuff. And she was not going to do that. She like channeled it and processed it in a way that was something super positive that frankly makes me want to be a better person. Uh, This is an unpaid like plug for Honey Davenport. This is me just observing her from afar uh since her elimination i'm really impressed
1: yeah, real testimonial not a paid actor
0: yeah for sure definitely if you can't tell i can't deliver a line for shit on this thing <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah should we get into the episode yes it's a it's an important one um
1: snatch game i think is the the mountaintop of challenges oh god no we i'm getting ahead of myself we should there's an order to things and i got out of line and i'm sorry for that no the, you're the workroom was full of ten shun this week
0: yeah yeah i will i will start off with so this is season 11 episode 8 i love that akira walked in and said i've got war wounds a mile deep i fucking love that bitch i'm gonna shout out akira any moment i can on this podcast but yeah, right after that, real quick, it's a little tension between Evie and Silky and then a fucking blow up between Evie and Vanji. Uh what did you think of that whole moment, I guess?
1: That it was a lot like I expected the, the evie Silky anyway. The the Eevee Vanji was obviously coming off of the, you know, untucked herd round the world. Um it was it, it Evie and Vanjie was like watching your parents fight when you're a kid, and it's like, are, are they going to get a divorce? And it's like you, it was so intense from people you like that you just don't know what to do with yourself. I'm just like, I, I just want them to stop yelling at each other. This is making me really anxious. Evie and Silky can go at each other all day long because whatever you think about Silky Ganache, good or bad, bitch can hold her own. Like the worst Evie can throw at her, Silky can bounce back and not lose a step so that's like that that's fine snipe snipe until the sun goes nova i'll eat popcorn evie and vanji was like but you're my favorites and if my favorites argue i don't know who's my favorite that was a lot for me
0: i have to say for me i feel like i am not a big reality television person but obviously there are ways in which reality tv can be really great and reveal important things about the human condition i think this was phenomenal production because i feel like i know and understand both Evie and Vanji. And I watched a fight between two people who I can tell feel very vulnerable, very attacked, very on edge
1: and very, very
0: tired, very tired. And also very like, I think Evie was really hurt because she's been doing really well that both Vanji and Silky said that she should go home, even though she's been doing very well. I think she's very aware of her, her limited time and there's an urgency and I could tell she was really hurt. I can tell that Vangie feels super vulnerable cause she was brought back and she hasn't won a main challenge yet. Um, it was upsetting, but I feel like it was most upsetting because I care about both of them and I see why both of them are upset and hurt, which is like, if you're going to give me a reality TV fight, that's the one that is the most affecting because yeah. I I get it. I get it on both ends.
1: And, and the, both of them were, it, it was clearly not, well, this is like one of the times, it was not being played up for its reality TV components. It was just a blow up.
0: Oh, um, yeah. No, they were both really upset and hurt. Yeah. For real. Like, that wasn't, they're not Gia Guns stirring the pot with Pheromone. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I will say uh, on the upside of the tension in the work curve is that irony of ironies we did not read Raja's mirror
0: message. Oh, I love it. I Uh, love it. It it was like the production was like, she won't even read somebody's mirror message. Then we won't. It's, uh, I'm also a little like Raja, you took like small swipes and overreacted and then they just kind of came for you. You like Raja is like a perfect example of if you show up, keep it composed, keep it together. Don't reveal all of your hurt feelings in that confessional room. Keep it funny. Keep it light don't go like yeah. don't pull the claws out on everybody else
1: yeah I- i'm just saying hersila's favorite author is dante and that was some dante level irony right there like oh uh, made me so happy
0: You. all right so the next day we're in the workroom and silky has decided not to talk because she's pissed at evie i think it's hilarious that they're so used to silky sucking up all the air in the room that the table was dead silent because silky decided to, to give a cold shoulder and
1: i i just sat there thinking you know what Right or wrong, Evie got Silky Ganache to not say a word. And I think you can get a MacArthur grant for that. Like, that's a...
0: Preach. Preach. <laughs> I like Silky. I see many things about her that are talented. I am often like, but enough. Pull it back. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the mini challenge, Rue comes in and sells Guru. Sells the hell out of Guru, kind of. Uh,
1: can, I, can I be brutally honest and hear the safe space with just the two of
0: us? I know you're going to because you're clearly loving reading Rue this season, and I'm, I'm making space for you, honey. Give it to us. Still all the tea.
1: I expect that book to be the worst parts of what's the tea. There, I said it.
0: I'm pretty sure my husband read that book, and you're right.
1: Like, I understand a certain amount of self-motivation, and it almost doesn't matter how you express something motivating. It's that you express it. And uh, kind of like, like, like that girl and how we talked about Tarot, where it's like, it, it's not that it predicts the future per se. It provides this sort of tableau to, like, think about the future. Yeah, so sure. you can do that kind of like, well, I'm, I'm in charge of my life, and I have to make the choices, and I have to make the decisions, and that's a great way to get yourself moving. But in the later era, it has drifted into occasionally straight-up unqualified psychological work. Like, there's a line between aphorisms as motivation and you are fundamentally dismissing or misunderstanding some pretty core dynamics of abuse or trauma in a way that is, it's not fun anymore. Like, so
0: no, that, I, I think, I think the basis of Michelle and Rue's friendship is that Michelle doesn't call Rue out on that line.
1: Yeah. And this is why our friendship is based on something deeper. If you start psychoanalyzing people without a license, I will be right there to snatch that wig. Cause I love you.
0: Yeah, no, I gotcha. Um, so we get into the mini challenge, which is a self-help book pitch. Things of note during this challenge, Vanji was being Vanji and reading a card, and Rue called her out because Rue and Michelle seem to be like making Vanjie self-conscious and embarrassed. I'm going to say right now, I feel like Vanjie has a ton of commercial success that has to do a lot with Vanjie being Vanji off the cuff. When Vangie's on a microphone making fun of Farrah after Farrah told a sto- stupid story right in front of her, Vangie's gold. Not self-conscious Vanji, Riffin as like a salt-of-the-earth stand-up comic in front of an audience is fucking gold. I really wish that Rue and Michelle understood that and weren't so... At this point, I don't feel like they're doing Vangie any favors. I'll just say that. And I feel like that was... I mean that was such a tiny thing it's silly that this is where I'm talking about this on this podcast but on whole I feel like they're really not doing her any favors um, and that was just a moment of like just fucking let her look at the cue cards she might have been reading her le- next line you don't know leave her alone um but I digress
1: she was also hilarious when she did it
0: it's she was it, hilarious, it's, hilarious. Like the, it's like in
1: it's like in uh, the 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 team challenge with the the with uh britney when she like called her when she like accidentally used her name it was like like even her mistakes are hilarious and you got to give those room to breathe because they're hilarious
0: completely completely i want them to back off of her a little bit um plastique's no personality messy makeup thing i thought was a smart move just you know i conceptually um silky's was all about food and being fat she delivered it very well but i am i don't go up for fat girls making fat girl jokes the whole time it's not complicated or sophisticated or particularly interesting to me and as we learn later today uh later in the episode silky is entirely capable of being that funny if not funnier leaving those jokes alone and i recommend that she leans into t.s madison um but rue obviously loves that shit because he was dying Mm-hmm. um brooklyn was my favorite with her little advice book that was you know sleep with your boss lie on your resume hillary clinton called it sad but true i thought she she who would have won for me but i get why silky won the mini challenge yeah uh, any other thoughts for you on this
1: uh i i, I did enjoy that brooklyn looks like katya you wear that wig if you're a blonde woman and you wear that cut you're gonna look like katya even if you don't but it was still fun for me
0: Oh, for sure. Um, I love that Akira, and Brooklyn Heights is like quick drag is just Girl. like
1: oh years
0: my... beyond the other two. I mean, I will say, as somebody with a complexion similar to Brooklyn, I know exactly what she is doing to get it done in that time frame, and it's exactly what I would strive to do too. Though it would take me longer. Uh, with oh no. Akira, I'm like, you are serving full woman, a bitch. Yeah. Like,
1: I have turned into like a Zapruder film conspiracy theorist watching them enter the workroom each day, like zooming in and enhancing to like see if she is already coming in with her face beat, which I don't even know if the production would allow. But it's like you had to have like powdered that mug or laid on a little concealer or something because it is lawless in 20 minutes. I can't do anything in 20 minutes. It took us like 45 minutes to get this set up so we could just sit here talking, which we would be doing anyway. I have no idea how she does it, and it is amazing.
0: I, I completely agree. She's got stubble when she enters that workroom. It is impressive. Moving on from the, from the mini-challenge, let's take a little break for a special segment we're going to call Snatched Back to the Future. You're not Beyonce, bitch. Uh, so, in this game, I will be Naming a previous season and a character that was played on Snatch Game. Hersula, it is up to you to guess which queen played that person that season on Ooh,
1: Snatch Game. Trivia, something
0: I'm good at. Excellent. Something you are very good at. You are like Guy Branum's spirit animal. Actually, I think you're Guy Branum and Louis Rattel's love child. Um, which is ironic because you're also Peter O'Toole's great-grandmother. Um, do the fans know that yet? Uh, I, I like to reveal the, the the temporal causality loop slowly You don't want to confuse the children. It's too funny uh, anyways uh, I did actually go on to went onto to my cousin's ancestry.com family tree this week and it was pretty hilarious to be like, oh this is the aristocratic branch of my mother's family that was like bouncing across the Atlantic on that like top deck of the Titanic way left and right. And these were like people starving during the potato famine in Ireland who have one boat ledger that they really needed. It it's a, uh, it was a trip anyways. Uh, I digress. So let's get to snatched back to the future. You're not Beyonce bitch. Season two, Carol Channing.
1: Oh, uh, the pa- Pandora box, obviously.
0: All right. So, Season eight, Carol Channing.
1: Oh, Bob the drag queen mixed with uh, uh what, what did she say? Uzo Adubu, which which yeah. was hilarious and offensive. Her name is Uzo Aduba, and I feel like we need to stress that it is a very straightforward name to pronounce correctly.
0: <laughs> I I think that was a great Carol Channingism, Bob. Added. It was. It was. It was. Uh, all right, season three, Tina Turner. Oh, uh, that
1: that was Shangela. That was. Yep. Uh, th- that was the Diamond in the Rough moment for me, where it's like, this is not a great Tina drag, but I, I get what Rue sees when you act this way.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, season four, Beyonce. Ooh,
1: season four. This is the problem. There are so many Beyoncés, and if I can have a moment, stop trying to be Beyonce. J.D. Salinger has given more substantive interviews than Beyonce Knowles Carter. Stop it. Her, yep. the Queen of England, doesn't give interviews because she knows that she has to be everything to all her people, and the less she says, the more her people can pour into that space to make her what they need her to be. And I think it's something our Queen Beyonce also understands. Like, like I, I I'm in the, I'm in the middle of watching Homecoming and sure there's like snippets of narration where beyonce is talking about what she's doing and what she wants to be doing but that is carefully crafted narration and it's the most words not in song you've heard her say in the past 15 years She is a famously reserved woman which means there is no starting point for an impersonation and you also don't look like her so stop it
0: yeah no completely
1: thank you for coming to my ted talk
0: Yeah, no, Beyoncé is like the epitome of a Virgo, who's like, I'm going to quietly and reservedly not at all boast for my accomplishments, but be the most type A, to the point that A plus is a joke. I want to reinvent the form. I want to write an essay that is so good that what would have previously constituted an A plus essay will suddenly constitute a B essay, because I am the biggest Virgo and the baddest bitch. That is... That is Beyoncé. That requires a level of reserve that means you cannot caricature her. Um, I concur. All right, uh, back to the game. I I thought I could dodge it. Uh, Season 4 Beyoncé
1: was Kenya?
0: Yes. Yes! (laughs) Season 10 (laughs) Beyoncé.
1: Oh, it it was Asia O'Hara. It's a name I hesitate to say out loud to you because I know you are still in your feelings about that Snatch game.
0: (laughs) Oh, if she won... If she won the season, there's only two queens where I'm like, I actually don't recognize your win because it was such bullshit and I can see through production. Like, as far as I'm concerned, after Snatch Game, Asia was unofficially still there. If she won the season, she still wouldn't have won the season to me. Um, Yeah, no, she, she absolutely deserved to go home for that atrocious Snatch Game that also like sabotaged the Vixen. Trash um all stars three maya angelou
1: oh uh chichi devane sweet summer child
0: (laughs) indeed uh season 10 maya angelou
1: oh um uh monet
0: exchange yep all stars two may west
1: oh alaska that was so good so good
0: yeah, it was. Uh, that's actually somebody I would have previously considered doing, but I think a lot for a lot of gays is off their radar. But I remember watching her movies with my grandmother. Uh, but I also think that's somebody now where it's like nobody should ever attempt to do Mae West again because they will not top Alaska. Yes, yeah, step back, put it down. Yeah, pretty much. Um, All stars to Bjork. Oh, Katya. Uh,
1: uh, it- it's one of those like comparing apples and oranges they're fundamentally different performances with different goals and rating them is like picking your favorite wine they're all delicious um, but uh, that is that is close to my heart is one of my favorite performances of any genre of all time
0: same same she knew exactly how to capture the arty weird like eccentricness of bjork in a way that landed on like commercially accessible comedic beats but still felt true to like the bizarreness of bjork and, it and never, that it, is almost impossible
1: it, it never got for, tired that was no. what was crazy it's like this should have been annoying after like two rounds and it was just gold gold no, I,
0: I, I know i would it would be really fascinating to see like katya after like Taking a few UCB cap classes. I feel like she would like <laughs> rule the world. <laughs> um, All Stars 2, Joan Collins. Oh, Alyssa. Uh, terrible, but wonderful. Alyssa. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Season 3, Joan Collins. uh, uh Mariah. Uh,
1: so, so bad. Like, the just the epitome of someone who didn't understand what we were here for.
0: Or what Jack is beyond looking like a pretty girl. Yep. I said it. All right. That was very fun. You did very well. Thank you. I feel very validated. Uh, One might almost think that we've recorded this episode previously and then had technical issues that made us lose it, and this is our second time going through it. One might almost suspect that. (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, in all happen. fairness Ursula did get all answers last time <laughs> um, so moving thank you, on to the thank maxi you for that <laughs> yeah no I'm, I, hey girl I keep it real I give you your props and you deserve many of them um, so moving on to the maxi challenge snatch game at sea I like that they're trying to mix up snatch game but it's still ultimately just snatch game it was fun um, yeah so right away we see Brooklyn and Vanjie struggling and having a weird kind of attempted intimate comforting, reassuring each other moment in the workroom. Um, Vanjie is trying so hard to keep focused on this competition and keep her distance from Brooklyn while still being intimate with Brooklyn. And then she's sort of seeking friendship and solace with the and Silky. Um, But I feel like Brooklyn is not dramatic or shady and they have very different strengths. One is chaotic good and one is lawful good. And I feel like, I don't know, I'm watching and I'm like, I get what Vanjie's doing, but also I think you should just like, whatever is happening between the two of you, this is a person who cares about you. Like you, you can, I'll say this, if, if Hercel and I were ever on Drag Race together, I know that I would be helping Ursula construct her garments. I would be pinning things inside out for her and talking to her. I'm sure I'd thread a bobbin or two. I also know that Ursula would be teaching me how to deliver a line and how to hit a note so that I didn't go home because because of sisterhood and solidarity, and we care about each other. And I watch these moments between Vanjie and Brooklyn, and I'm like, Vanjie, just lean in. Just fucking lean in. But...
1: I get that. I, and don't worry. I would absolutely highlight your script with, with where you place the accent to be funniest. I would, I would be there I, for you to do that. I, um, I
0: know you are. And I know that I would help you a lot with your garment construction. Well, uh, and that's that. Well, like the Greyjoys, joys, uh, we do not. So,
1: um, Oh my God. <laughs> there's a temporal artifact. Anyone listening to this in the future? Season eight of game of Thrones is currently running and it's all everyone else is talking about. Um, yep. I like seeing them together. They have this like unaffected quality that is shocking for reality television. Like like Brooklyn and Vanjie have achieved in like 6 seconds of screen time what not a single bachelor couple has ever achieved. The sensation of genuine human affection.
0: I concur entirely. I frankly want an all drag queen production that is a spiritual successor to My Big Fat Greek Wedding starring Brooklyn Heights and Vanjie. I think it would be super charming and compelling and believable.
1: You know, we could probably get Lady Kazan and, and Andrea Martin to do it. I think they'd be they'd be on board and they'd be a natural fit.
0: I I agree. Um, all right. <laughs> so we have the special guest come in, Jinx Monsoon, the Queen corseted for the Gods. How'd you feel about seeing Jinx giving us her Edie voice at the off the top?
1: Oh my God, I. I can't even for, I I wouldn't even attempt to do Jinx doing little Edie out of respect for my queen. I was like high on life the entire week. When I saw her in the promos, when she swanned into the courtroom as the grand dame of the modern theater that she is. I, I flooded my entire basement. It was so good. And she, the only thing I was worried about is that she like bruised a kidney because she was cinched for the gods like it was she looked amazing but i'm just like i'm i'm worried you hurt yourself i appreciate why you did it and you look great doing it but that is a very tight corset dear lord
0: (laughs) i hear you maybe i just used to suffering for beauty but i think that the hip padding might have made given you that proportionate sense i I think it was uncomfortable but fine I fucking love Jinx Monsoon. I love her so fucking much. She's exactly who you bring in for this. I loved Edie befo- little Edie before Jinx did it, but I'm so glad that more people got exposure. Yeah. I fucking love her. I love that this is the legacy season. I want every season to be a season where RuPaul brings back the queens we fucking love who slayed a certain challenge and provides advice to the girls. I, I fucking love Jinx Monsoon. I'm here for it. I'm glad they had Trixie. Like, I... I love it. I want yeah, it, I I don't want this to just I don't want this to like stand alone and be like the legacy season. I want every season to be a season where they pull back from the canon. Pull girls back from the canon.
1: Yeah, I loved like I love that she was as amazing in this as Alyssa was with the runway and dance coaching. It was just yep. like, it, it was just like you it, it's like watching a samurai movie where you like you bring in the master blacksmith to make the sword that will kill the bad guy. It was just like her advice was so on point and so concise. Like it wasn't just the edit that was like, she with surgical laser precision walked in and said, here's what you're not doing correctly to make this work. And, or at least here are questions you should be asking yourself. And it was so good. It was like watching inside the actor's studio. It was just amazing.
0: I completely agree. She went over to Silky, had a lot of fun with her and I found it super charming. And I think, You know, Jinx asked the right questions, but deduced very quickly that Silky was going to be able to make T.S. Madison work for her very easily, and it was fine, and I love that. I do think Evie was more self-conscious, and I think she felt like she needed more advice than either Rue or Jinx realized she did because she's been so strong all competition. Um, And then the big moment, Danger Will Robinson... When they went over to Brooklyn and Jinx said off top that with Celine Dion, the accent is the most important part. Do you have that down? And then Rue asked to hear it. And then it was like, what kind of sis, rural Saskatchewan nonsense was that? That was not a French Canadian accent. What the fuck are you doing? The looks on Jinx and Rue's face talking to Brooklyn were hilarious.
1: I'll say I to modulate the advice, I think the energy – is what is like I the Dowager Celine has been one of my favorite celebrities for some time now. Her chirpy, weird, wackadoo, joyous explosion of glitter and oddness ha, is just refreshing. She is clearly living for herself and loving every minute of it, wearing whatever weird inverted tablecloth thing she feels like wearing. There's a joyous freedom to Celine's intensity. And I think if she met, like, uh, it was kind of like with uh, what Jinx said, where it's like her Betty Davis isn't a straight Betty Davis impersonation. It's just shouting. But as long as you lean consistently into it with the right energy, it'll come off. I think there is a way like even if you wanted to do celine dion as canadian lumberjack if you committed with the intensity of of like a religious zealot you still could have made that work
0: i mean i agree i feel it but i feel like brooklyn was so was making the wrong choice for so many reasons and had nothing right in her selection um Moving on, Nina West. The Joan Worley and Harvey Firestein debate was—that was a very cute banter between Rue and Nina. I liked that.
1: I like—I I liked both of Nina's ideas, though it was—it's one of those like every so often it keeps being driven home that they can't do fictional characters what feel like copyright reasons, but that doesn't really make sense because you know it's not like Saturday Night Live needs permission to parody fictional characters. It's parody and it's protected under fair use. Hersel has read some law books. Um, <laughs> But it, it was just like, you weren't doing Harvey Firestein; you were doing Harvey Fierstein's, uh Edna Turnblad from from Hairspray. And I think had she been allowed to just do Edna Turnblad, I think she could have spun that, incorporating both Harvey Firestein and Divine's uh, interpretations of that character to create something a notch above... Don't get me wrong, it was a, a very good performance, and I'll get to who I think should have won later, but... I, I I think this weird like anchoring it to the actor playing the character to maintain the pretense that you're not violating copyright laws is kinda of, is weird and manifests itself in exactly these kinds of problems.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. Um both Fangie and Plastique, I thought, did a really good job of choosing characters that were appropriate for them and the way in which they can deliver funny in a way that seemed very like you really thought about this and made a conscious decision. And it kind of felt like both Rue and Jinx were trying to make... Well, I felt like Rue was trying to make them self-conscious, and Jinx was like, well, are you a one-trick pony? Is this something you've done before? Are you sure you'll be able to harness real humor out of this? Um, But I'm actually... I I think they both made wise character choices that suit them in their delivery. Um, I do wish that Vanjie... I wish that Rue had not done that and just let Vanji Vanji as the catch me outside girl. Um, but let's, let's move on to the actual challenge out of the workroom. So Snatch Game panelists, the judges are Clea Duvall, who I think is an out and proud lesbian now finally. Um, and Tony Hale from Arrested Development. Silky, hilarious immediately. Frankly, she was so good as TS Madison that I wish she would drop all the fat jokes full-time and go into this T.S. Madison impersonation in her drag because the fat and eating jokes are fucking tired. And, like, they zoom way past body positivity. They do nothing for me. Um, This was hilarious. She did great. Uh, I thought Nina and Plastique immediately had great introductions for their characters, and Plastique bantered with, um, you know, Silky as T.S. Madison right away. Uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, any of those three?
1: I like. Uh, I think it was a little unfair to tag Plastique for doing, quote-unquote, another Asian nail tech, uh, because that's not really her fault. She was literally asked by other people to do Asian nail tech in Why Gotta Be Black Panther, um, which I think is not her fault, and should not alone force her to choose a new character for a Snatch Game, which she achieved very well. Um, I think... I think it was one of those, like, I think Plastique, like, ounce for ounce, found a way to achieve a thing that would be hardest for her to achieve. Was it like one of, was it like a legendary snatch? No. But it was good. And it was good from someone where I think going in, everyone would have questioned, can't she make it good?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So when I was at Roscoe's, Silky did comment that after Rue talked to her, um, Plastique did come over and talk to Silky and Akira to help her refine her, like, Atlantic Get-A-Girl switch voice, um, and they did. And I'm going to say this. I, I hear you. I agree with you. I feel like here's the thing. Plastique might lean into that accent when she tries to do humorous portrayals in drag, but never is the the humor, actually just the accent. It does seem to be the space where she feels most competent performing comedy, but the joke is never actually the accent. She has pithy and appropriately intoned, like it it is about delivery, the accent plays into it, but she is actually very funny, and she's 21 years old. She's not a comedy queen. I think that's the space where she feels comfortable making comedy and she utilizes the accent as part of it but the joke is not an accent so i'm not gonna she's literally a vietnamese immigrant doing a vietnamese accent when she does comedic performances she's 21 i'm not gonna knock her for it it's not actually always the same character like i i hear what rue is saying but she's not actually one-dimensionally funny it It was funny, like it was a good choice for her. She made it work. She was immediately funny with silky like i i, I don't know Do does it do you agree with that or
1: no, I get that it, it It's probably even a notch better than and please do not take this as a slight on the great Manila Luzon, but Manila's early drag appearances leaned into the Asian stereotype as the joke where i I agree. I think Plastique has managed a notch better in a committed comedic performance. Of someone with a with a Asian accent, as opposed to making that the joke, I'll I'll give you that.
0: Yeah, no, and and I feel like I'm not going to disregard her comedic performances for that. I think the Black Panther and the Mimi, uh, what was it, Love Mimi, Lovely Mimi, were actually different, though they had both had Vietnamese accents. They were actually different, like personification and she performed both of them well with good comedic timing. I'm not going to knock her for it. It's she's literally a Vietnamese immigrant doing a Vietnamese accent. It's okay. Um, so moving on to Evie, those glasses, what the fuck? They kept (laughs) falling and like threw off her comedic timing right away. They also looked like they weren't going to stay on her. So I was like, Oh God, those glasses, that prop is like really working against you. Um, I felt bad. Right away, it was like we had three really funny introductions, and then Evie right away, it was like... It was rough. It was rough.
1: Yeah, a, a couple of... I, I think it's something she said later on the run, runway about how uh, the minute it started, she forgot all her research, and it reminded me of Valentina talking about Eartha Kit, where it's like, research is not how you do a good drag race. It's, it's just not or a good snatch game. It's just... <laughs> It might not be I don't know how good it is for drag racing. There are either. a
0: thousand things you could have done better with Whoopi. That yeah. was like the worst choice. The like level headed black sweater the view calm voice of reason. Whoopi is the least like the least fodder for comedic beats.
1: No, I I agree fully. It was also weirdly mean. Like, a lot of the queens get up in their feelings about, quote-unquote, disrespecting their queens. And I think that's a little over-dramatized. Like, Vanjie should have done LaToya, because I think she could have done it with love and humor. Um, But that was weirdly, like, did, does Whoopi Goldberg owe you 20 bucks or something? Because you were, like... Like... This later stage Whoopi is not washed up, unemployed Whoopi. It's Whoopi who has so much money and fame that she could literally pick a job where she gets to sit in a chair for as long as she feels like and be given a great deal of cash on a daily basis for for having had done so.
0: Like <laughs> maybe maybe I missed something. I thought it was wasn't even interesting enough to be possibly an affront on Whitney. I just thought it was <laughs> or on Whoopi. It was. I just thought it was generally like lackluster i would have i mean if it was me i would have done automate brown because ghost is one of my favorite movies and i like the flip of like afro-centric centric like professor Trelawney, soothsayer and then like suddenly girl in harlem who's running for her life being like pack it up let's go like the contrast of the whoopee character in ghost is hilarious and that's what I would have done. But I think like, frankly, I think that's because that resonates more with my comedic timing. And those are references and flips that I could do quick. Not that I would do blackface and do whippy, but you get the idea. Yeah. Um, but I think there's, there's tons of space and options. This was like, if you're going to do whippy, this ain't it, bitch. This is not it. Um, even with glasses that stayed on her face. I don't think Evie would have been able to make this funny. Yeah. So moving on to sugar as charo, I thought she was great. What about yourself? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, she, uh, neck up, perfect. There, there was something about the boob contour that was throwing me off, and I can't quite articulate what it was, so I won't dwell on it. But it, it was like, what is not working for me? There's something wrong, and I can't figure out what it is. But it, that's a tiny complaint. Um, she didn't reinvent the wheel, but she was she was funny. She was consistently in character. And again, she was funny.
0: Yeah, no, she, she knew how to like deliver Charo and Charo cliché. And kind of answer the question, and then with the right comedic turn, say, and then, like, added, like, a weird comedic sensuality, and then right (laughs) at the end, be like, and then you make a taco. Like, she knew how to be engaged and present in the conversation delivering charo caricature while also adding her own comedic beats. I, I fucking love this bitch. I mean, we remember her Maxine Waters. I thought she did a great job.
1: Yeah, I, I think if the Snatch game were stronger overall, that might have been comfortably middle instead of top three, but combined, especially with the dress, which we'll get to, solidly top three, and a pleasant sticking the dismount from Sugar when she really needed it.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. But I will say this. I I mean, I, again, I've waxed lyrical about what I love about Sugar and how we have never really had a queen like this, where she's... Older, she's kept it tight. She's sexy. She's only been doing drag for like a year and a half, but you can tell she's like she's got a lot of the skills in the bag before she even started. So some places she's really strong, and others she's like the least experienced queen there, even though she's the oldest queen still there. Going into this episode, I knew that Sugar is just in terms of technical proficiencies. The weakest remaining queen, but it's an acting challenge. So I did not think that there was a chance in hell she'd be going home. And I'm going to be honest. I think if it was a stronger panel, we would have just gotten a stronger performance out of Sugar. I think she's hilarious.
1: That is an interesting counterfactual. Hmm. Uh, who's next? Uh, it was Sugar. Then it was
0: Angie with her Muppet,
1: Muppet voice that only
0: lasted for her intro. The
1: second, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind I'm of glad wish she dropped it. Yeah, I, w- I, also wish she had dropped the attempt to confuse Rue and Doctor Phil, which, given what I said earlier, is kind of a funny read. But it just it, it it was like a forced joke, and that's always like the the kiss of death in a snatch game where it's like I have this one idea and I'm gonna squeeze it to death because that's so Raven. <laughs> it's just like when you can just bury it in the ground. It just, I will say, you're right. You're right. I I liked Vanjie's performance a lot more than I thought I would, given how much I cannot stand the whole "cash me outside" phenomena. Um,
0: it's not for me. It wasn't about that girl. It was about Vanjie being her shark voice, kind of sassy, chaotic, good self, doing rebellious teenager. Mm. To me, I thought it was a great choice for her. I thought it was, I mean, we'll get to the judges panel later, but I will say I thought it was fucking weird that Michelle Visage, who's normally like, do a drag version of this person. You can't make them too precious. Talked like she's watched a ton of videos of this girl and Vanjie didn't get her voice right. Nobody else fucking cares or know what that girl's voice sounds like. Like that's not, that wasn't the problem, Michelle. Are you fucking kidding me? Like that wasn't the problem. Yeah. I digress. Yeah. Um okay. So moving on to Akiria as Tiffany Haddish, she looked just like her right yeah. away. It was like oh, yeah. she painted on one bowl and it was like, Hello Tiffany Haddish. I fucking love Akiria. Um when I was at Roscoe's last week, Brooklyn Heights did say that like everybody says that Plastique is the fishiest queen, but she feels like Akiria is the fishiest queen this season. She serves like Wamana. To which Silky chimed in, "She serves you, grown woman." Um, yeah, the cute. performance
1: itself was was fine. It didn't fail at any point, but it also didn't like Grammy. The Rupan joke was funny, and I can't believe they haven't done that as a challenge before. Like you know, trying to remember in the Ratchet days or early Drag where they would make those, those bitches go outside in broad daylight and try to sell tickets for pie. Yep. I can't believe there was never a Roupon challenge where they had to like get random people walking in West Hollywood to like buy a two for one package to a spa or something
0: (laughs) yeah no I I agree (laughs) Uh, so then we move on to the elephant in the room Brooklyn not the right makeup not the right wig not the right voice no fucking false eyelashes not funny once what the fucking fuck like what a train wreck she got everything wrong Literally everything wrong. She kept hitting her
1: chest with an open palm. Anyone who has ever watched even just the Saturday Night Live performances of, like, Maya Rudolph making fun of Celine Dion knows she hits her chest with a closed fist. That is like a, not not even a tiny detail, that's just a straightforward detail. I literally fast-forwarded through it the first time I watched it. I went back and watched it because I have journalistic standards here at Reading Drag Race and I have to watch it before I can yell at it.
0: But, fuck. Yeah, no. At Roscoe's, she was not anymore... She... Here's the crazy thing. It's been like nine months since they filmed this and Brooklyn Heights was still like, you know, this was never going to be my challenge, whatever. Very, like, kind of dismissive. I cannot fucking believe it and we will get to the end of this episode but if there's anybody i would have sent home it would have been brooklyn heights for this fucking abysmal train wreck and i will readily admit hearing her nine months later still think that there was nothing better she could have done this just wasn't her challenge makes me like well i'm glad nobody went home that week but also if anybody was going to go home it should have been your ass because this was unforgivable In her resting state, Brooklyn Heights serves like regal, well-educated, shady, rich, bright woman serving reeds casually. And she was the funniest person on that panel at Roscoe's. If Brooklyn Heights chose to do... There are so many characters that we don't know that well that Brooklyn Heights, just being Brooklyn Heights, could have done. She could have done Joan from Mad Men and had like borrowed one of Nina's breastplates and put on a red wig, and had a fake cigarette and martini glass, and just, like, mouthily and sexily, like, adjusted her chest towards the camera and winked, while shadily delivering reads for responses from the other girls. And it would have been hilarious. Like, shady, regal, rich, white bitch, which is literally the energy Brooklyn gives off in her pajamas. So, it was unforgivable to me. I'm just, it was unforgivable, but...
1: I feel you. It was it was terrible. It was so terrible I couldn't watch. And I can watch anything.
0: And and the thing is, she is actually funny as herself. And there are people she could have played where she really would have just been being herself with the right costume and like two physical body language affectations that would have landed. And frankly, would have possibly gotten her in the top three. I cannot believe that she was so resolved that she just like there was no way she could have done well it was it was bizarre to me I'll also almost asked a question that was like you realize you're fucking funny and you could have just picked an actress like you dressed like her and Nicole just Kidman her. Uh, literally Reese Witherspoon any of yeah. them seriously because she's actually just funny as herself what the fuck
1: oh my god she could have done Sansa Stark like I I guess it would have been Sophie Turner. Queen of the North. Sophie Turner, World of Wonder. Sophie Turner.
0: Whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. And that would have been very Queen of the North. And that Sansa serves Regal Rich Bitch shading you. And frankly, there are so many things she could have done. It was so stupid. It was the stupidest choice. (laughs) Moving on to the Snatch Game. So Nina's mid-show change. I thought it worked, but I wish she stuck with one or the other. Probably primarily... Harvey Firestein.
1: Yeah, Be- I'll, I'll say this: the the snatch word gag killed me. Killed me. That was amazing. I love that she had like the card that was like clearly handwritten, but also like gorgeously achieved. I was like, that is crafty, but it's good crafty. And I, first of all, I can't believe they've never mixed. I, I bet you anything that the next All-Stars variant on Snatch Game is Snatchword, because <laughs> that was incredible. And I love that Rue just yes ended it to infinity and was like, I will absolutely play Password with you, because that's, that's one of those shows that Ursula loved on the 80s. I, the greatest regret of my life is that I will never have the opportunity to play uh, Super Password with either Lucille Ball or Betty White. I feel that loss deeply.
0: Oh you that's the most (laughs) used statement ever um can that be the intro quote for the episode (laughs) i i want to say on nita's mid show change i thought it worked but i wish she stuck with one because with both of them she got the characterization down but she just had enough time to kind of get the characterization and the jokes for those down i wish that she picked one or the other and did that and then got weird with it and with the character instead she did both kind of setting the baseline of her be- ability to characterize them. And it was funny, but I legitimately think if she like stuck with fire scene the whole time and got weirder with him, it would have been a lot funnier. And she could have stolen the win from Silky. Honestly, Evie's got weirder and weirder and we heard more crickets and then it ended. Uh, so what are your thoughts on whole with this snatch game?
1: Overall, a pretty weak, a, a below average snatch game overall. I agree. Even the good stuff was good. And even Nina's was very good, I think, but it wasn't, it, I think it will historically be viewed as having fallen slightly short of iconic, you know?
0: I agree. And I, I legitimately think it's not because she couldn't have been iconic. It's because she did two characters and set a base. Yeah. Like, If you think about Alaska and Katya, they really, like, early on in that Snatch Game, they, like, kind of did a lot of the cliche and establishing those characters. But by the end, they just got weird with those characters. I think that's when a Snatch Game gets, like, like, irreverent and weird and legendary. And the only one who I can think of who superseded that was Bob the Drag Queen. But Bob the Drag Queen kind of merged the oddness of his two characters in his mid-snatch game Switch. In an odd way, by having Carol Channing referred to Uzo Aduba. Um, Yeah, but I I, I digress. I've made my point. And now it's time to get to the runway. But before we do,
1: a word from our non-sponsor. Have you tried not? For those times when you feel like offering an opinion on the internet on a subject you only just learned about on Wikipedia, always remember, you could not... For those times when you feel like bombarding the mentions of an actor just trying to make a living because you're mad about something a writer, a totally different human being, did, you could not. When you find yourself about to lecture a member of an historically oppressed minority about their life experience, all you have to do is just not. It's not, and it's available anytime, anywhere, and it's the perfect way not to show your entire ass to the entire internet all at once. Just remember that not every thought, opinion, or feeling you have needs to be fucking expressed the minute your fucking brain creates it. And you, too, can just not. Not. Because you shouldn't. And now back to the
0: show. So we're back in the workroom. I like that right away we're we're starting off with Evie's apology tour. She immediately talks to Silky about how it was really inappropriate for her her to call silky talentless that was coming from a place of anger and that silky is obviously not talentless because she slayed the snatch game i thought i i fucking love evie i can see her vulnerability i appreciate that she's an adult enough to have that moment um and silky was obviously still kind of feeling hurt which i get so uh that was interesting did you have any thoughts on that I thought Silky was a little icier than she needed to be
1: and was like, uh, and I I do think like later on she came around. I'm more, I was more interested in the Evie Vanjie apology just because I was more invested in their blow up anyway.
0: I'll give you that. I will say at Roscoe's Evie did, or um, Silky did speak to how this was a long time ago. She was feeling away in the moment and she talked, you know, in a very positive way about Evie and how they've, you know, connected since then she was feeling away at the time and that she wishes that she was able to be a bigger person, but she was still sort of processing her feelings, all of which I validate. But I also, like, I respect Silky more that she was, I don't know, kind of adult about that when talking about it there. Moving to Vanji and Evie, I like that both of them right away were really adult and owned that they were feeling sensitive, but that they, you know, like and respect each other. And they were both apologetic together from jump
1: yeah that was it was nice to see because you know th- th- this cha- this type of show just has to suck all of your reserves and defenses and coping mechanisms out through your nose like all of the things you would normally be able to do to take the time and cool off and figure out how to act like a grown-up you don't have here you're 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 stuck inside all day you can't talk to the people you love it's got to be really exhausting
0: i also think most people are not actually grown ups or mature enough to ever really apologize or own up when they make mistakes and this is a pressure cooker. I appreciate that both Vanji and Evie were fucking adults who knew how to apologize for their own bad behavior to the people it affected and the people around them. Like, I liked them already. I like them even more.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: Moving on to the runway. The runway challenge is it? It's sequence, Yes, the runway category is sequence this yeah, week. Yeah, in the drag
1: race mad lives that has become the runway
0: themes, it was sequence. Yeah, I know. Um, all right. So Rue's look right away. Uh, so this is a look that Rue wore apparently in '97 on some bh one show. Uh, without hip pads. There's a lot of uh, internet circulation of the then and now images where rue obviously looks much better now because her makeup is better she's obviously had some work done and some veneers put in and she's got hip pads on um i also like because rue never recycles looks i like seeing rue recycle a look it's been 22 years you can wear it a second time it's fine
1: yeah i couldn't tell if it was like subtle shade or not that it was like on a day we're about to clock Vanji for wearing a leotard she wore a leotard like is that was that was that a thing? Are we doing something?
0: It definitely was not. Rude does not think about the queens enough to do something like that. <laughs> let's let's be honest. Uh, so the runways, I fucking loved Akira's runway look. I loved the way that she did her eyes and the individual eyelashes to give you feline. I liked that it was like a striped cat or zebra print, and then she had the actual tail. Um, I think it was intentionally zebra. Uh, I liked it a lot. It was was a good look. It it reminded
1: me of uh, Shelley Long's It's Missing a Bead" dress from Troop Beverly Hills, and that made me very
0: happy. Oh, you. Then moving on to Nina West in her Paul Revere drag, which frankly, I'm much more of a European than American history buff, but I love anybody who didn't clock this as Paul Revere. That was great. Um, (laughs) I'm sure Nina has this from one of the thousands of productions she puts on in Columbus that all the gays go up for. Uh, but I'm glad she brought it here. It was fun, and it was definitely feminine enough for this runway. What did you think?
1: I would have liked it more as a gown than the cocktail length, but overall, love the jacket, love the hat, love the look. Her face was beat. Normally she gets a little red for for harsh makeup, and I think she really nailed it this week.
0: Oh, so I felt like the cocktail-like dress was kind of great because it made it, like, clockably, visibly, like, that looks like Paul Revere and then oh wait but that's also drag because it's a dress like it manages to put it at that line so perfectly that i like i don't know i loved it so moving on to sugar Cane in an aubergine flamen- flamenco dress that was very ornate and detailed and structured i loved this i don't think the aubergine like that dark purple necessarily resonates as well on television. I bet it's fucking breathtaking in person. uh, Ruth said that it was one of his favorite looks ever on this runway. And I will readily admit this is my favorite color. I am certain if I was walking through a museum or like a fashion house with my husband and we came upon this dress, he would lovingly squeeze my hand, knowing full well I will need like 20 minutes and say, I'll be back in 20 minutes and just walk ahead, knowing that I will be Walking around this dress with my jaw dropped like the card-carrying homosexual that I am. Um, I I loved it, but this is, like, aesthetically and in terms of color palette, like, completely up my alley. Frankly, if I ever did, if I did this runway, it would have been that color, and I would have possibly been in the bottom three because Sugar Cane's dress would have, like, blown me out of the water.
1: Yeah, no, I loved it. Uh, the, it seemed a little stiff at one point when it was yes. moving,
0: but obviously you know it's yes. a hobble
1: dress, so I'm not I'm not shocked by that.
0: It seemed a lot stiff. Go on,
1: sorry. Uh, yeah, her, her her makeup was beautiful. Uh, her, it was a lot more open. She she tends to ha- she's gone for a couple of looks with like these like color blocked, um, faces, and I think it was a, it was a good choice for the dress, and it was a good. Here's what else I can do. Yeah, no,
0: I agree. Then we get Brooklyn Heights in the pink bodysuit reveal. That whole runway was a dancerly performance, which you can say of all of her runways, but this one was like at another level, legendary. She definitely sold that garment. The both looks themselves were underwhelming, but the performance of that runway was, was everything. It was fucking everything.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. It, it met. Uh, reveal 101 which is that both looks have to be good like had she stayed in the poncho and the afro aside from my general complaint about white people in afros take it as red um it would have been a completed well done look and then when it you know the the reveal into the look was expertly executed the new look was great it does bear a lot of similarities to a couple of like the bandage bodysuit she's done before but you know I think in the mad rush to get queens to show us something new we forget, people tend to have a wheelhouse for a reason. Joan Holloway wears, you know, mid-century jewel tones and updos because that's what flatters her. Like, this is a look that flatters Brooklyn Heights' body and ability. So it's not it's not lack of creativity alone that would send her back to this well.
0: I agree. I completely agree. Um, so Evie had a very fun runway, and I agreed with the judges that the hair didn't really go- work with it um i also feel like evie it had that like butt cut out and evie just has too much of a lean androgynous male butt to be it's not like it looks like this is androgynous drag it's not even frankly her butt isn't even androgynous it is clockably male and for me this cutout doesn't make sense if you have like a small athletic man's butt like i've got a huge ass so i don't need to pad and drag Evie is not in the same boat. Like, if she's gonna be doing something like that, she needs to be wearing padding, and she was not. Which for me took the look way down, but I loved the jumpsuit itself.
1: Yeah, I kind of like the Peg Bundy wig. I get the complaint that it doesn't quite match the the jumpsuit, but I will say I wonder if that was just a technical concession. The the revealed wig in the lip sync. Spoiler alert! I don't know why you'd be listening to this before watching the episode anyway, so that's your fault. Look at your choices. Um, Agreed. The revealed wig actually did work really well with the jumpsuit, and I wonder if it was just like, what do I have that successfully hides the reveal wig? And that's just life.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, So then uh, Silky has a beautiful blue sequit pageant gown. It's classic and lovely and suits her well. It's nothing that's knocking my socks off, but I love it. She looks great in it. Um, Plastique. Hers was a little different and had a, an aquatic feel. The color was uh interesting. The the way that the sequences were sort of extra large was interesting. Uh it was it was also unfortunate that she had that water splash color that was the same very similar to what Brooklyn Heights wore um either week 2 or week 3 for the what's your sign challenge. Yeah, I think it was week 2. But yeah, I feel like people a lot of people kind of Felt like Plastique was kind of copying something Brooklyn did, but like if you really look at it on its own, I thought, I thought it was good and it was interesting and different than what we've seen from Plastique. I, thus far. I loved it. My only complaint yeah. is that
1: the, it's this thing when you do like that stiff bodice off your chest that when you turn sideways to walk, it's like a dinner plate stapled three like hovering three inches above a boy chest. It, yeah. It's one of those, like, I, I'm not even saying she'd be wearing a boot plate per se, but it's like, it's a real thin line for me to have that, like, uh, rigid, off-the-body bodice that doesn't then emphasize this huge air gap when I look at it anything other than dead center. So that that left me a little cold, but overall it was a beautiful look. It was something we hadn't seen before. Very well done.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. All right, so then the judges' critiques... Safe are Plastique and Acheria. I agree. Yep. Tops are Silky, Nina, Sugar. I agree. Bottoms are Brooklyn, Evie, and Banji. I agree. I, uh, I'm only
1: going to qual. I agree with your agreement. Uh, we, we're consensus builders here on Reading Drag Race. I'm only going to qualify... Uh, it's a critique I've seen elsewhere, and I, I agree with it as well. I feel like Silky got praised for doing a Snatch Game that was essentially being Silky and walking down the runway in a Silky dress, where Vanji got red for doing a Snatch Game character that was being Vanji and walking down the runway in a leotard.
0: Yep. That's, that, yep. Yeah. That's accurate. That is accurate. Frankly, I would have put Vanji as safe, and I would have put... Yeah, yeah, I would have put Vanjie as safe, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think. But the, they always have to have a bottom three. But to me, oh, the, I mean, I guess the, the Vanjie is bottom three, but no, the bottom two was such a foregone conclusion. It was like when yes. you, you kept all six members of
1: Team Mariah on stage, you knew you were in the bottom. Let's not even pretend. Had she called Plastique, Akira, and Vanjie safe, it would have been like a dun 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 moment for yeah. Brooklyn and Van uh, Brooklyn and Evie, where it's like, oh, oh, no, no, no. It's you, and you know it's you. Your reveal might save you on the show,
0: but it will not save you from a lip sync. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, so, Silky won. What did you think of Silky winning?
1: I think it should have been Nina, but I fully acknowledge that I am not objective when it comes to Silky Nutmeg Ganache anymore. My, my mild antipathy for her antics in the workroom have rendered me unable to... Like rationally analyze Silky's looks. I think she did a good but not stellar, like a, a very good but not like iconic, uh, snatch game performance. Largely playing herself, and I think her runway look, while perfectly executed, is something we've seen literally every one- runway runway. Uh, so I was just kind of like I, I think it was Nina's win because she had she was more creative. It was funnier. I loved her runway look and. It's clear she is incorporating the judges critiques in terms of like that corn dress, even for its failures, was clearly an attempt to incorporate the judges critiques on her shape. Her book uh, in the mini challenge about like like dressing like a like a linebacker was funny because it like it like we all know she has super broad shoulders. Uh, so that was like everything she's been doing like she's a queen in her what late 30s. Late 30s. She's 39. Okay. She's 39, yeah. Okay. Um, From, you know, a medium-sized Midwest town where I think the collective complaint or fear for her was going to be, you're a big fish in a small pond and no one's ever pushed you out of drag. That was invented uh, while we still use gaslights. So I think more than any, maybe more than any queen in the series, I'd have to do some research on that, but like the like ounce for ounce improvement and blossoming is really strong with her and i think the snatch the confidence and skill displayed in the snatch game and how fun her runway look was and how successful like she did not make a misstep we except maybe doing two characters but she did both well and i like them both so i can't be that mad but it's just like i think i'm
0: not mad at all i think that nina west is somebody who if she went in there feeling confident and had like her best friend to be like no, bitch, you do this character well, she would have blown Silky Ganache out of the fucking water. I think this matters so much to her that she chose two characters that she could do well, and in the way that we would all get in our own ways by getting in our own heads in this, she did. I think we all know that the person who would have been capable of delivering the most mind-blowingly impressive Snatch Game was Nina. She did a great job. We all know with reassurance that, that she could have done an epic legendary resetting the whole thing snatch game, which is why when Nina West is in town doing a performance, I will be buying tickets from here on out. She does like that was a great Snatch game. We all know it could have even been better. I'm gonna see her live whenever I can. That's how I feel about it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, no, she's she's great. I mean, let's not remember or let's not forget that televangelist challenge was one shot. Yeah. Nina did better than any of us imagined anyone could have in one shot. Yeah, agreed. That I will never like respect for days. Um. So, all right. So, let's see. Where are we now? Um. So. The bottom two are obviously Brooklyn and Evie. They're lip-syncing to the song "Sorry Not Sorry" by Demi Lovato. What are your thoughts?
1: It's it's not an exaggeration to call this the best lip-sync in Drag Race history.
0: And it's, it's in the words of the great Sugar Cane, Come on, Cirque du Soleil.
1: Yeah, no, they they both. I'll, and I'll say this: this is what really sold it for me. We've critiqued drag queens for throwing every bag of tri- like like just just hurling every movement they know how to do at the song without any sense of performing the song and you can't critique them for that here they were both giving very intimately themselves performances but they still tied it like they still tied it to the song they like and there were these great organic moments as a result where they would like both hit the floor at the same time but then spin into entirely different movements and shapes and it felt, it, it, it may, both of their individual lip syncs were completely authentically them, and the finished product of the pair of them actually turned into this, like, almost, like, thoughtful combined piece, even though it obviously wasn't, because of how completely, uh, successfully they achieved performing that song.
0: I completely agree. I feel like, um brooklyn heights is obviously a trained dancer of like phenomenal athleticism and performs in a more traditional kind of sexy drag queen performing way and that was on full display evie has a similar athleticism and flexibility related to her cartilage deficiency and is kind of a weird arty conceptual queen who likes giving you sort of bizarro fluid movements Both of them performed the fucking hell out of that song with phenomenal athleticism that, like, synced, but also both performances were very much uniquely them. It was fucking epic. There is a reason why at 9.32 p.m. that night, Tatiana tweeted both of them that they blew her and Alyssa's dual lip-sync out of the water. Like, good fucking job. It was phenomenal. Also, I love Tatiana. You you love
1: Tatiana. Props props for, like, respect respecting game where you see it i i love that it makes me value the it makes me value her more that she has the self-awareness to be like i don't know someone did this thing very well and that's not like a it doesn't diminish Alyssa and tatiana's lip sync not at all to say that this was even more phenomenal like you can yeah there's more than one phenomena in the world
0: for sure for sure <laughs> i fucking love tatiana but yeah no this was great i even i actually watched Untucked this week because I wanted to see the touching little backstage moment between Evie and Brooklyn, where they were like, you were the one person I was really afraid to go against. You were the one person I was really afraid to go against. We did something legendary, like, and they both knew it. That was a great moment. I also like that even... like Normally, Rue, when there's a dual save, he'll be like, you know, pick one of them and say, Shantae, you stay? And then he has a reveal. We all knew that these two were frontrunners in this competition who have been in the top three almost every week both of them and they this was their one the first time either of them was in the bottom they had that lip sync and we all knew based on how what good dancers they are that neither of them would be going home i i early on i was like this is nobody's going home tonight rue didn't even like pull any stunts he was right away just like shantae you stay Shante, you both stay, like, immediately, and said, look out, ladies, we've got two lip-sync assassins. Like, it was great. It was fucking phenomenal. I lived. It made the episode. Yeah,
1: I'll say it this way. I would have been angry at the lack of a double save, and I've never thought that about a double save. There have been double saves that I've been like, well, that's fine. And double saves, I'm like, "Eh, if you have to. But there's never been a double save where I'm like, that is the only correct decision. Like, if pressed... I don't think you could make a case terribly strongly for one over the other. And that is, the, like, it's the one double save that felt like the double save was the organic, respectful decision for the competition rather than just shock.
0: Oh, I don't I don't generally feel that way, but I will say this is the one where it's the most, like, I would have been like, are you kidding me? You're sending, a, like, either, sending either of them home would have made no sense. Exactly, yeah. Um, the the dual save of Bendel the Krem and Darian Lake... Frankly, I would have just sent Darian Lake home, but that's me. I'm glad she kept Bendela. I'll say that. Um, oh, and
1: wh- while we are discussing Untucked, which doesn't happen here often, so I have to say it, a curious mom and grandma, like, like I got misty. I had to, like, reapply my mascara. Like, it was just like, that. they were so sweet and so clearly on her side. And, you know... It, it got real close to that, like, oh, I'm about to see a moment that's too real to enjoy reality television, but it stayed inside the lines. It was just like, it's nice to have, like, everyone I hope has people like that in their lives. And it was just nice to see Akira get to have a moment of that. And, like, his his mom and grandma were hilarious. Like, they, like, I'm like, of course, of course, you are the you are the line of like the Targaryens that leads to Aria Davenport. That's perfect. I completely <laughs> agree.
0: I completely agree. I fucking love that bitch, and it was very touching to see that moment. I I I lived for it too. Um. All right. So, I I think that's the episode. Uh. No one goes home. So, uh. Yeah, so uh,
1: no reading from that girl this week. Uh, she is star- she's been staring daggers at us for the last hour and a half while throwing tarot cards into the wall like ninja stars because she has no one to read.
0: Yeah, she's, uh, she's injured her voice by whispering Club 96 too much. They, that's the episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Conde Nasty, and I'm Ursula the Sea Bitch. And this has been Reading Drag Race. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, send affectionate smoke signals of love, follow us on Instagram, you get the idea.
1: And if your name is Lewis Rattel, we love you. You're everything. You're a model, you're Linda Evangelista, and in the words of Silky Nut Meganosh, can we have your number? Please
0: be on our podcast. In in lieu of a tarot reading, we're going to close with a quote from the great Katya, which is When it comes to self-esteem, whatever you tell yourself about yourself is kind of a lie, so you might as well construct a good one. Bye!